You're listening to Jane Talks to a Wall, a podcast for people who like to hear me talk. I'm your host, Jane, and this is me playing a little ditty. Hello, and welcome to Jane Talks to a Wall. I'm Jane. Last week, I was a bit indisposed, we could say. Um, so this episode is a week late and definitely more than a few dollars short, but I hope that you didn't miss me too much. Um, yeah, (laughs) it was an okay week last week though, because I did manage to win a slot in an exclusive sauerkraut making course. Um, and to be honest with you, I thought making sauerkraut would be much more difficult than it is, but nevertheless, I'm very I'm still very pleased that I was able to participate in that and to have this like very weird, intimate Skype session with like 15 people from around the world. Um, It was nine o'clock. It was eight o'clock PM for me and one o'clock in the morning for somebody else and one o'clock in the afternoon for somebody else. Um, But it was just a really cool experience. Um, actually to just come together with these random strangers on this zoom call to learn how to make sauerkraut um but it was really cool and I'm super excited that I got to participate so I would like to say a quick thank you to the zero waste chef thanks for offering that and including me And because this week we celebrated Earth Day, I would also like to take a moment to share my favorite moment. It's hard to explain because I don't want to offend anybody here. Um, I I suppose it it constitutes as my favorite memory from last year. Um, I keep a bullet journal. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but... um, it's kind of like a daily planner, but more creative and flexible because sometimes I plan every day and sometimes I don't plan for weeks. So I can pick it up whenever I want, start where I left off and also have the opportunity to be creative when I want to be. Um, so every year I do like a farewell to that year. And this year, um, I included a short blurb about my favorite memory and it took me a long time to to figure out how to formulate it because it wasn't one singular memory it was it was really this nostalgia of of this place and and i guess what i want to say is is that it's it's just about the small things on earth sometimes and and there's so much to be said for simplicity and you know pool parties and a blow up pool with salads that you threw together and, you know, washing up in a little plastic bin with the water hose afterwards and, and the gladiolas that were in this garden. So, so, so the memories are all from a garden, um, that a friend of mine owns and I spend, spent a lot of time there and, um, a lot of sunny days and, sweaty hours (laughs) and it was it was kind of like a paradise in the city and um it was a safe place and a and a a beautiful place and a place that was built with hard work and um enjoyed with full hearts and yeah but 
you know, there, there were gladiolas in, in the garden and, and growing up, we had gladiolas that grew on the side of our house and my dad would, would cut them on the weekends and put them in the house for my mom. And I just remember that being like a very beautiful memory and how, how much my mom loved it and how beautiful the flowers were and that it kind of just went without saying. And, and I don't know, just something about the garden was very nostalgic in general. And, you know, those, those late summer nights where the cotton candy skies like fade into, into chilly evenings and, and your bike ride home (laughs) turns into this turns into crashing a party on a hippie commune, (laughs) drinking way too much beer and, and, um, listening to this weird little band and just having a great time, you know? And I, I think really that was, that was one of my greatest memories of, of 2018 or 2019. Sorry. I don't even know what year it is. And, um, I'm really thankful to have had the opportunity and to know those people who make, home anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. Right. So I just want to say thank you for making Earth Day a special day to remember the best times on Earth and why we care about this planet that we live on. We can move on to the next point now. Um, I'd like to just take a quick second to thank everybody for submitting their stories of their favorite mug last week. Um, I really enjoyed reading all of them and I'm pretty glad to know that I'm not alone in this crazy mug hogging world. I'd like to do a special shout out to another Jane, uh, who's probably talking to another wall somewhere else in this world. Um, your mom fuel inscribed mug story was a lesson for me, uh, in learning to let things go because I certainly would not have, um, had the tact that you did in solving the mug debacle. Um, I do hope that every morning from now on starts with your cold brewed mom fuel. Thanks for sharing. Um, Now we can get on (laughs) to today's episode, which I promised you would be about microplastics. In the last episode, um, I wanted to kind of talk to you guys about where to start, but I backtracked a little because I realized I think it's really important to talk about why we should even be inclined to start. Um... I think it's important that we that we talk about why why we should be inclined to start that. So, microplastics is where I feel like we should start. <laughs> we should start, and um, let's just start, okay? And just a heads up: this episode is bound to be quite dry and heavy on words that aren't funny. So buckle up. (laughs) Um, right. What are microplastics? I'm not going to go, you know what? I probably should have done this disclaimer at the beginning, but I'm going to do it now. Um, I did a lot of research obviously, and compiled a lot of information from a lot of different places. Um, I'm not going to like get nitty gritty into everything. I just don't think that that helps any of us right now, but I will provide the links that I found to be helpful um, on the website so you can check it out if you want to read more about it or um, are interested in knowing where I got the information from. Um, anyway, 
what are microplastics? Um, essentially, they're like tiny plastic particles or beads that are most normally smaller than five millimeters, which is tiny, but still detectable to the human eye. Though some microplastics are undetectable to the human eye and can be in the form of films, foams, fibers, and fragments. So say that five times fast. I'm like, oh my God, that is so... Films, foams, fibers, and fragments. 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 Fabric. Damn it. I tried really hard. But anyway, um, right. (laughs) And those microplastics can be further broken down into primary microplastics um, and secondary microplastics. So primary microplastics are manufactured microbeads or liquid microplastics and pre-production Oh my God. Let me, let me just start that over. Primary microplastics are manufactured microbeads or liquid microplastics and pre-production plastic beads. Okay. Secondary microplastics are particles that are gradually left behind as plastic disintegrates and and breaks down. Guys, these are, this is going to be a tongue twister. The next part is going to be wild because I was going to try to name some of the ones that we should look out for and check our products for and whatnot. But, um, I'm going to butcher most of the pronunciations and I would really just love if you guys could go with it, put yourself in my shoes. So the first one is polyethylene. I'm pretty sure I got that one. The next is polylactic acid, propylene, polystyrene, or polyethylene terephthalate. That one is PET, mostly like our plastic bottles. I'm sure you've heard of that. So we're going to use the acronym on on that one. Um, And then there's polymethyl methacrylate, crylate, crylate, crylate. It doesn't matter. I'm so sorry for what I just did. The abbreviation for that is PMMA, which I've never heard of, but I don't know. And nylon. So... Essentially, microplastics are literally everywhere now, um, all over the world, even in the most remote areas. Um, They're not only in densely inhabited areas, but they're found in the Arctic and Antarctica. So um, that's something to bat your eyelashes at. (laughs) So where are these microplastics? Where can we find them? The biggest one is water. Um, oceans, for example, some of these microplastics are sinking to the ocean floor. Some are floating on the surface and four times more than what can be found on the surface is, um, reported to be floating in the midwater ranges. Um, and all of these microplastics are being ingested by marine life. Um, but it's not only in our oceans, it's also in our freshwater ecosystems And what's even more scary is that it's found in over 93% of bottled water. A study in 2018 by the World Health Organization um, found that of the 259 bottles they tested, only 17 of those bottles were free from plastics. Right. 
Um, drinking water in some countries has also been contaminated due to the microplastic pollution in lakes, dams, and um, rivers. Those are the sources of of our drinking water. Um, One source reported that 83% of samples from around the globe are contaminated. Um, The good news, though, if there is any good news to that information, the good news is that tap water is reported to have about 50% less microplastics than bottled water. So if you were looking for another reason to ditch bottled water, um, that that is if for some reason you're still drinking from single-use plastic bottles, um, yes, that was a dig. Um, if you're looking for another reason, now you have it, 50% less microplastic in tap water than in bottled water. Um And also something that's important to note is that if you're drinking um, from a reusable plastic bottle, uh, like an algae or something, you should never leave it in direct sunlight or expose it to direct sunlight um, as this can cause the particles to break down and release more microplastics. So we mentioned that we could find the water in the ocean and our freshwater ecosystems, but the water can also be found in our soil now. Um, An estimated one-third of all of our plastic waste that's not um, disposed of properly ends up in our soil and our freshwater systems. Um, It's probably... Important to note that microplastics can interact with soil fauna, um, which affects the health of the soil and the soil functions. Um, You can look at earthworms, for example, and see that they are being um, affected by this this change in their habitat. Um, Earthworms are responsible for aerating and draining the soil. And you can see that they are suffering um, by looking at their burrowing habits, which have changed and is therefore affecting our soil conditions. Um, Additionally, microplastics find their way to our sewage systems through gray water um, and in turn end up being used to fertilize our fields, which releases the particles into our soil. Um, quickly, if you don't know what gray water is, it is essentially all of the household water waste, um, all except the water from the toilet, that is. So think shower, sink, dishwasher, washing machine, etc. cetera. Um, that's important for later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and German researchers even warn in a 2018 study that the impact of microplastics in soils, sediments, and freshwater systems could have a long-term negative effect on terrestrial ecosystems throughout the world, which is kind of uh, to be guessed, uh, to be deduced. I don't know how to say that uh, in the right way, uh, which could be deduced from from the information that I've given you. Um, Where else can we find it? As if it wasn't bad enough that it's in our water and our soil, it is also in the air that we breathe. Um, Plastic fibers can disintegrate and float into the air in both indoor and outdoor settings. Um, And there is some some evidence that they may be inhaled. Um, The jury is still out on whether these get stuck in our lungs or are cleared out. And though it's, it's 
interesting to mention perhaps that some studies on hamsters have shown that breathing difficulties and other complications can occur due to the inhalation of microplastics. Um, Side note, don't get me started on how shitty it is to inject hamsters and expose hamsters to microplastics for that. I mean, I get it that you're like, well, it's better for you. No, honestly, I'm not even going to go down this road. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's not cool. (laughs) Um, Right. So it's in the water. It's in the soil. It's in the air. And how did it get into the water? That's a question. How did it get into the soil? Well, we know how it got into the soil. I explained that. But how did it get to the water? How did it get to the sewage? Um, How is that happening? So let's talk about possible origins for how it ended up there. Um, One of the main culprits is synthetic textiles from our clothing, uh, for example. That includes acrylic, nylon, spandex, polyester, um, yeah, uh, not only are these synthetic particles resistant to degradation, but they're slow to break down and are capable of absorbing toxins, which I would like to get into a little bit later. Um, those microplastics from these, from these clothing articles are then released through, um, normal wear and tear and also during washing, which I will explain as well a little bit later. But where else can we find these microplastics? Um, In many, many, many of the products that people use every day, soaps, cleansers, and toothpastes, for example, Um, but also face masks, skincare products of all kinds, shampoos, shower gels, etc. Laundry detergents, also another one. Um, It's important to check the labels on the products you buy. Uh, to avoid macro, micro bead ingredients, um, which I'll try to name a few again, uh, polyethylene, polypropylene, PET, and PMMA, and also nylon, which is PA. Um, yeah, cosmetics use poorly biodegradable polymers in the form of liquid microplastics as well, which is sort of new to the market. And there's a lot of research still being done on on what micro liquid plastics um, may lead to, and and how we can minimize slash, uh, eradicate the use of those. Um, yeah, I wanted to also recommend a website for you to check out. Um, it's called beat the and you can enter your country and get a list of products essentially that have microplastics in them. Um, they even have like a very nice classification system, which I found pretty nifty, um, with red products being those that contain the most microplastics. Um, Then you have, I think it was orange, green, and zero. And zero is naturally um, products that include, that that have zero microplastic ingredients or products that use biodegradable microplastics. Um, Yes. So check that out if you're interested. Um, Other other sources of of these microplastics are tire dust. That's a huge one. Um, other industrial abrasives and industrial activities. Um, 
I think I should say it again, industrial abrasives and other industrial activities also release microplastics, um, glitter, um, tossable to go coffee cups. Another one that might be kind of shocking to hear is chewing gum made with synthetic rubbers, um, which is most chewing gum. Um, if you're gum chewer and feel like you can't give it up, um, you could try True Gum, for example, um, which is made from natural rubber and is compostable. That's great. Um, Cardboard coated with thin layers of plastic, for example, food packaging, cartons, paper plates, etc. Those also release um, microplastics into our system. If they find themselves in landfills, that can only mean one thing. I mentioned that we could find these things in the air we breathe, in our soil, and in our water systems. Um, But what does that mean exactly? Where have these things spread to? Um, As I mentioned with the ocean, a lot of animals, a lot of marine wildlife are ingesting these microplastics, um, filter feeders mostly, but other uh, aquatic life as well. Um, And... Many animals can excrete these plastics, but some cannot. And um, at the end of the day, we are seeing microplastics killing marine life and seabirds um, due to damage and obstruction of the gut. But those aren't the only animals that are affected by this. Pigs and chickens, for example, are also affected by this. Um, Fish meal is served to them um, in poultry production and in rearing pigs. So microplastics are present in the food that they're eating and may then be present in our non-marine foods as well. Um, That, of course, only applies to you if you eat pigs and chickens. Um, Right. In fact, though, more than 220 animal species have been found to have ingested microplastics. Um, And these range from lobsters to birds to mammals to turtles. Um, And what does it mean that that those animals have ingested microplastics? Um, Of course, not all of those are animals that, that people use to sustain themselves, but... It does imply that that if you are a meat eater, um, that they can be in your food. But even if you're not a meat eater, um, food can be contaminated during production and contaminated from the packaging that it's used that uh, that it's um, packaged in. Uh, so. So that's where microplastics are entering our food sources, um, not only at the at the bottommost levels of the food chain, but also directly after production or during production. Um, Salt has been found to have microplastics in it. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me take a drink of water. Many seafood species have been found with microplastics in them, um, primarily shellfish, but still other fish as well. Um, Honey has been found to have microplastic in it. And our crops are being affected by this as well. As I explained, um, the water being used to water the fields is contaminated with microplastics, and those microplastics can carry toxins, as I noted before. So our fields are being watered with microplastic-infested water um, and can ca- and can carry that water, those microplastics can carry and spread 
toxins to our crops so and our soil. So if microplastics are already in our water, they're in our soil, our air, and our food, um, it should come as no surprise at all to us that it is in our body as well. And it has even been found in our poop. That's right. Um, Studies from as early as 2018 by the Medical University of Vienna and the Environment Agency Austria have confirmed microplastics in human feces. Um, In eight out of eight of the study's participants, they found microplastics. That's 100%. That's crazy. In total, nine types of plastic were identified in the stool samples. So those included um, packaging plastics, plastics from fabrics, from water bottles, that's polypropylene and PET. Those were the most common plastics found. Um, But it doesn't stop there. The studies lead... But it doesn't stop there. The studies lead... But it doesn't stop there. The studies lead... Oh my God. It doesn't stop there. The study's lead researcher, Philip Schwabe, said, of particular concern is what this means to us, and especially patients with gastrointestinal diseases. While the highest plastic concentrations in animal studies have been found in the gut, the smallest microplastic particles are capable of entering the bloodstream, lymphatic system, and may even reach the liver. That's horrifying. And it begs the question, what does that mean for us, for humans? Um, And not only humans. I don't mean this to sound like I'm only thinking of humans, but I feel like it's pretty relatable as we are humans um, and can easily relate to humans. Um, We are not sure of the long-term implications for us. Um, There's definitely the need for more research and... um, Honestly, the multitude of studies being done suggests that scientists have their suspicions of what this means for humans and what it means for our health. Um, You know, I think we should trust our gut and see this as a threat and see that it's affecting animals. And even if that's not, even if that doesn't mean it's affecting us, that should be enough to convince us. Um, The World Wildlife Fund did say, however, um, that particles that contain hazardous chemicals could expose the environment to risk and can even result in a toxic legacy for generations to come. Like I said, um, even if the particles themselves aren't hurting, hurting us per se, they can still carry toxins and expose, expose the entire environment to risk, um, also, it's it's fair to mention that BPA, which leach, uh, leaches out of plastic products, is known for its hormonal effects and can... Um, I'm going to start over. It's also worth mentioning that BPA, which leaches out of plastic products, is known for its hormonal effects and can disrupt the hormone system of vertebrates and invertebrates alike. Um, according to the World Wildlife Fund, again, that's the WWF, microplastics contain chemicals, like I said, um, added during manufacturing, many of which cause adverse effects in animals and can potentially leach into the food chain, like I said, in our soil, perhaps. Um, research has shown that plastic particles absorb co- 
research has shown that plastic particles absorb so-called PBTs, persistent, bioaccumulative, and toxic common. Research has shown that plastic particles absorb so-called PBTs, persistent bioaccumulative and toxic contaminants from the environment, which allows toxins to accumulate in the food chain. Adverse effects have so far only been seen under laboratory conditions, usually at exposure to high levels Adverse effects have so far only been seen under laboratory conditions, um, usually at exposures far exceeding our present environmental environmental concentrations, but nevertheless, um, research also shows, like I said, that some particles are small enough to enter our tissues where they can trigger an immune reaction or release toxic substances into the environment. Um, no. Research also shows that some particles are small enough to enter our tissues, like I mentioned before, um, where they can trigger an immune reaction or release toxic substances and pollutants absorbed from the environment, including heavy metals, which is not good if you didn't know that we don't want heavy metals in our bods. So all of this leads you to think about Hopefully, what can we do to protect ourselves and our planet from forming more microplastics? Um, The thing is, is like microplastics in nature are 100% our fault and directly linked to humans. There is no way that without us and our short sight and our decisions that that we could have gotten to this point. It's a man-made product. And that blame and that guilt, I guess, that guilt is completely on us. Yeah. So um, how do we, how do we try to make this better? Um, I think it's really, really important to, to urge the government to put bans on products that contain microplastics. Um, A handful of countries And companies have banned some microplastics in their products, but there's still a long way to go, especially now with the introduction of liquid microplastics and what what that's going to mean. On the same note, we, we need to be putting pressure on manufacturers. We need to boycott their products and voice our concerns. Um, but we also need to think about and consider the fashion industry as a major contributor, um, the battle is not won at banning these microplastics in, in cosmetic products. Um, we need to also boycott, boycott clothing, the clothing industry and, and textiles um, with, with these plastic fibers in it that are being released into our world. Um, we, yeah, I'm going to try to calm down a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, we should always responsibly recycle or properly dispose of the plastics that we're using. Um, If we're not properly disposing of those things or recycling those things, it winds up in landfills and or oceans and or littered on the ground somewhere and decomposes over sometimes up to 1,000 years, the whole time leaching potentially toxic substances into our soil and water. 
Um, like I said, we, we should choose products and clothing items that are free from microplastics. Um, of course, that's, that's the ideal option. We should buy organic clothing and only buy things when necessary. But um, what about the things that we already own? Um, because throwing it away doesn't make the microplastics disappear. Um, getting rid of synthetic clothing that we have doesn't make it go away. I mean, eventually it's still going to end up somewhere. The whole point is that we have to stop the production of those things as well. But what can we do if we have synthetics? Um, what can we do if we, if our favorite t-shirt is a poly blend, um, or whatever? Um, and one of those things is to wash your synthetics less frequently. And when you wash them, um, you should be using a special bag to collect the microplastics when you do. Um, the guppy friend is one such bag. Um, I'll put the link on the website. Uh, I think it's a great, a great product and I urge you to check it out if you don't already have a bag like that. Um, at the very least you can see what I'm talking about and try to find something else. Um, but you should also always make sure that you're washing a full load of laundry, um, for many reasons, but mostly, um, when we're talking about synthetic fabrics, this reduces the friction between the clothing um, and therefore causes the release of fewer particles into into the gray water. Um, right. Other things that are major is cutting out all single-use plastics. There should be no reason that you're still using those. Um Reduce that which you do buy. You know, don't get takeout as often, or if you get takeout, take your own container to pick it up. Um, you can bring your own bags to the grocery store. I mean, that's a really simple one, but um, bring your own garment bag to the dry cleaners, even. You know, think about those kinds of things. And if I haven't said it already, I'm going to say it again drive less. Um, I mean, tire dust is a huge, huge, huge contributor. And especially in places like the U.S. where people drive everywhere all the time with no thought in the world about it. Um, yeah, every time those tires hit the pavement, they're releasing tire dust. Anyway, right. Um, <laughs> you know, I think I, I may have lost track a little bit. Um in the episode but but what I really wanted to say and the whole reason I decided to do this episode on microplastics was was just to make sure that we can make make the connection of why we are doing this why it's important for us to properly recycle and why it's important to not litter and make sure that the things that don't belong in a landfill don't end up in a landfill um you know, it's, it's more than just the environment and it's, it's more than just our surroundings. It's, it's also our personal health and the health of those around us. So if for some reason the environment and the animals weren't enough for you, you should know that your actions have consequences and that we are also suffering those consequences, that you yourself are suffering the consequences of your actions. And and what this means for humankind and what this means to the planet is yet to be seen. But I, for one, am terrified of the implications. 
I plead with you that you see this and that you understand this and that you think next time before you improperly dispose of something or before you buy something in or made of plastic. Did I say plastic? Plastic. Or before you support companies or products who use these synthetic materials. Before you put this on your body, before you wash your clothes with it, before you buy some piece of shit clothing made out of some plastic fabric, just know what the implications are and what it means for you, for your fellow humans, your fellow animals, your fellow living beings, plants, and everything, and what it means for the ground that we're standing on. You know, I could honestly go on and on about this and about how it all connects and relates to us and our place on this planet, but I will spare you for now. Wink face star, wink face star, because you can't see my face. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I posted a few few being a very generous word here, uh, resources for you guys to check out if you want more information on microplastics or if you want to see the sources that I used. Um, yeah, tell me, tell me what you thought about this week's episode. Uh, did I scare you shitless? (laughs) Did you learn something? I mean, how does this information make you feel? You know, I don't know if you can if you can tell from from my voice or how I'm feeling, but I'm feeling really overwhelmed by this information and and angry and scared and helpless. And you know, I, I have to be honest here with you. This is my second time report, re- recording this this episode. Um, And the first time I recorded it, I also finished feeling this way. And, you know, this information isn't new to me. So I can't imagine how you must be feeling if this information is new to you. Um, But every time I read it and every time I I consume these these statistics and this information, I get more, I get anxious all over again because... I wonder what we're going to do and where we're going to go from here. And it scares me. Right. Um, but anyway, I, I just want to check in with you and I want to see what, what you're feeling after this. And so let me hear from you. Um, you can email me, check the website or get in touch any way you know how, um, tell me what you want to hear next time or in the future. Let me know what questions you have. Um, and yeah, just talk to me. Uh, I do want to do a quick disclaimer. I did mention a few products in this episode, and I just want to say that that is not part of a paid advertisement. These are products that I use and I believe in um, from companies that I think are doing a good job to support our environment and um, at the same time make us feel like we don't have to give up all of the luxuries that we've become used to, like chewing gum, for example. Um but my favorite flavor is the ginger one. It's made with real ginger. It's pretty snazzy. So grab it if you can. It's called True Gum once again. Um, but yeah, just wanted to let you guys know that. So I guess I'll talk to you next week. Thank you as always for listening and be well.